0: You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. Welcome to episode 55 of the Keep Going Podcast. If you haven't listened to episode 54, go back and listen to it because I'm in the middle of a series where I'm walking you through the five steps that I take to create new goals at the beginning of the year. So last week's episode was How to Stop Beating Yourself Up, and this week's is How to Take a Personal Inventory. I think this is going to be a really insightful podcast for you. It's going to help you move forward by finding out where you are right now. Let's dive in. Take a personal inventory. That's what step two is, and that's what today is all about. Taking that personal inventory so you can see where you are right now. There are a lot of ways that we can take a quick personal inventory just to make sure that we even need or want to change in a given area. So let's just hope that my slideshow works. It does, hey! So more of a question for me, okay? Will you put in the comments the percentage of time you find yourself regretting the past? So out of any given day, is it like 10% of the time you're regretting the past? 90% of the time you're regretting the past? Shoot it in the comments so that I can see if regretting, if looking back, if wishing things hadn't been the way they were, if all of that, is part of the way you're um, engaging with your life, is, is turned backwards, looking at things that already happened, then that's what we're starting to talk about today. Because when you take a personal inventory, it's all about the right now. It's all about the present. It is not about the past. But a lot of times when we take a personal inventory, we sometimes spend time looking at the past. Wrong place to look. So, 80% of the time, 50% of the time, 10 to 20% of the time, 25% of the time, 75% of the time, 50 and 5% of the time, you guys, there's there's a lot of great work we can do today to just turn our gaze from backwards to forwards. Do you think you're going to move? in the right direction, if you're looking backwards instead of forwards. I'm so glad you're here today because I love helping people let go of the past, forgive themselves, just move forward. Today we're going to do that. So at the end of this lesson, you will have taken a quick personal inventory of the five key areas of a well-lived life. Let me ask you, is regret creating anything for you? Because I would say regret is fine if it's creating anything for you. My guess is, even without having to see any comments pour in, my guess is regret is not generating anything new in your life. That is the indicator for whether you need to continue a behavior or a thought. Is, is this creating what I want it to create? Is this is this making anything good for me? The problem is if we're spending 50, 75, 90% of our time on something that's not creating anything for us, then why are we doing it? Why are we spending time and why are we spending energy regretting or looking back when it is not doing anything to change the present. And if we don't change the present, then we're absolutely not changing the future. If you don't change the present, you're not changing the future. So that 50% of the time that you spend looking back, will that will be your reality in the future. The past. The past will be your reality in the future because you're not working right now. You're just looking. And when I say you, I mean we, because I've done this so many times. I've looked backwards, regretted, been so upset with the way things went. I tell myself, things would be different right now if, is that what you're thinking? Do you often find yourself saying, things would be different right now if that hadn't happened back then? But the thing is, we will never change anything if that is our sentence that we're replaying. If that's the sentence we're replaying, nothing will ever change. And so 10 years ago, do you know what we will be thinking? Because we didn't work on the present. 10 years ago, we'll be thinking the same exact sentence. Things would be so different right now if only that hadn't happened back then. So maybe you're looking back um, and you're thinking about something that happened in 1999. Or maybe you're thinking about something that happened in 2007. Well, 10 years from now, you'll be thinking the exact same thing about 2020. You'll be thinking things would have been so different now if that hadn't happened back then or if I had only changed or if I had only worked on myself or worked on my life. Well, guys, so that is what is the answer for us. We've got to focus on now. So there's a difference between regret and hope. Neither one of them really are right now feelings, but I believe the human heart really only exists in one or two frames of mind. It's like your car is either in forward or it's in reverse. It can't be in either one. There's no neutral for real life. Your car is either moving forward, it's either in forward or it's in reverse. And that's the same for you and for me. We're either in hope or we're in regret one or the other. You can't have both operating at the same time. Our systems are not designed that way. Our hearts are not designed that way. So we're, if we're in regret, then we're in reverse. And if we're in hope, we're moving forward. And neutral is right now, because right now is neutral. It's, it's um, a blank canvas that you get to paint on. It's totally up to you what happens based on what you create right now in the present, which is your neutral. So ask yourself, do I want to live in reverse or in forward? Do I want to live in regret or in hope? And do I want to live in a past focus or in a future focus? And really that boils down to, do I want to live in a victim mentality or a victor mentality? Let me explain the difference because this is going to be so exciting for you to realize. If you swallow this deep, I really think it can change some things for you. Okay, do you realize that you cannot ever, ever change the past? So if you can't change the past, then you're working on something completely useless. You're working on something that won't have a result. You're working on something that is futile. So when you're working on something that cannot change, it just it just can't. It's already happened. If, it's, if you're working on something that cannot change, then you're in a victim mentality because it means you have no power. It can't change no matter what you do. You could think about it 10% of the time. You could think about it 20% of the time. You could think about it 100% of the time, and nothing will change. So that means you're not accomplishing anything. It's a victim mentality because it's all just happened without you being able to change it. A victor mentality puts the focus on something that can be changed something that can be affected, and then you have choices again. Because when you look at the past, there's no choices you can make anymore. You already know you would want certain things to be different. You would like to make a different choice, but you can't. It's not possible because the choice has already been made. It's already over. But you still have choice about the future. You still have actionable steps that you can take. You still have a way to affect the future. So that is a victor mentality, is realizing I can do something to make a difference. Listen, your past has nothing to do with your future. You have to realize this before you set goals. Remember I said there's like two there's a process to setting goals, and most people just go straight and dive in. But well, you've got to stop beating yourself up first. And then second, you've got to take a personal inventory, which means letting go of the past. Because look, your past has nothing to do with your future. So uh, some of you are thinking, wait a second. Our past does have to do with your future. Actually, it doesn't. Let me give you an oversimplified example. So, yesterday, my desk was messy. That doesn't mean my desk will always be messy. I cleaned it up, and now it is not messy. The past, the fact that I've had a messy desk for a week or so, does not dictate the future. And we look at a messy desk, and we know that. We know this doesn't have to be this way. Just because the desk was messy yesterday and all last week. The past has nothing to do with the future. Because if I handle the desk today, I won't have a messy desk tomorrow. I'll have a different reality to walk through. You think about different relationships in your life. Just because a relationship has been difficult in the past... Some of you think it will always be difficult. The past is telling you that that will always be the case, but it's not. Because I have a lot of friends whose most important relationships have been resurrected. I mean, absolutely regenerated. From their marriage to a child that was not in contact with them to all kinds of things. The past, no contact with someone does not indicate the future, you could definitely re-establish contact with someone or re-establish good communication patterns. Even ideas like getting in shape or changing your financial situation, just because you may have not had health that you liked in the past does not mean that you cannot do something today to change the future. I don't care how many diets you failed. I don't care how many exercise regimens you've stopped. The past has nothing to do with your future. The past just is a past. It just happened. Now today, we do something different. We'll have a different tomorrow. Same, like I said, with financial decisions, that would be my number one regret. The easiest place for me to go with regret is toward finances. Thinking, I wish I'd never Done this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd not eaten most of my money in fast food every month. I wish I'd done, I wish I'd saved this. I wish I'd invested here, whatever. All of that has nothing to do with my future. It's just what I chose to do. I can't have that fast food back. I can't have the money I spent on the fast food, give the fast food back. Whatever I did financially is over. But I can make decisions today that will change my financial future. Past focus with regret and blame. Past focus takes all of your power away because you can't change the past. But future focus gives your power back. Past focus takes all your power away. Future focus gives it back. From now on, when you start regretting, or looking back, or wishing things had been different, I want you to think those are thoughts that suck me dry of power. Those are thoughts that take my power away. That's why Satan wants us to keep regretting so much. That's why the enemy wants us to look backward. It's because he knows it absolutely drains us of all power. But if you think, okay, if I stop looking at all the things I can't change, and I start looking at all the things I can change, wow, all my choice is given back to me because I can make some great choices. All my action is given back to me because I can take action, and your power comes back. That's the victor mentality as opposed to the victim mentality. If you want to spend time in regret. If you absolutely insist on regretting, thinking that that's a good place for you to be, then will you please do this? Consider what you will regret five years from now. Just think, what will I regret five years ago? Since I've got this pattern of regretting, let me just think about what I probably will regret five years from now if I don't do something today. Because just flipping your regret in that way And predicting what you will regret sometime from now keeps you future focused. So that puts you right in the frame of mind that you need to be in in order to accomplish a lot. If you insist on regretting and thinking that's just your pattern, just flip it. And instead of regretting from 2020, start imagining and regret from 2025 and see what you could be doing now if you want to. This is all biblical. I don't bring you anything that isn't biblical. So Luke 14, 27 through 33 says, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Jesus spoke these words. How about that sentence right there? You might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Can you relate to that? How many times have you made New Year's resolutions in January and you completed only the foundation before running out of steam in February or March. You ran out of steam. I ran out of steam. We've all done it. We completed only the foundation of our goals and ran out of steam. Why? It's that other highlighted word. Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost? So that's what we do, is we, we set like 15 New Year's resolutions, 15 major goals without first calculating the cost. And by cost, what it is, is like, okay, well, if I decide I want to exercise every morning, what's the cost? Am I going to be giving up some sleep? That's the cost. If I decide I want to eat healthy, what's the cost? Am I going to have to give up some time in the the afternoon to like plan out, cut vegetables, do the the beginning work, getting dinner ready? That's the cost. It's going to take time. If I want to make a different financial decision, what's the cost? I'm going to have to not do some of the entertaining things that I have enjoyed. Maybe cancel a few accounts like Netflix or Hulu or whatever. We're going to have to do that. That's the cost. is a loss of a few entertainment opportunities in order to save. If you have relationship goals, what's the cost? We say things like, I want to have a lot more people over. Well, you realize the cost is... You're gonna have to clean, clean the house and get ready and actually, actually put yourself in a vulnerable position and invite people. They might say no, but that's the cost of the goal of having more people over regularly. So I don't know what your goal is. And I don't know what's bubbling up within you that you're thinking, wow, I kind of wanna do this. And every year I have this on my New Year's resolutions list. But let me ask you, it doesn't mean just because you haven't completed it up to now that it's not supposed to be on your New Year's resolutions list. It just means that you didn't count the cost first, and you didn't think to yourself, okay, so if I choose this, what am I not choosing? And you make sure that the goal is worth it to you. So here's the rest of that verse. Or what king would go to war against another king without first? sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you can't become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Here's this other analogy that Jesus made. First, sit down and take some numbers figure out where you are. That king in his example, it's like sit down, figure out where you are, figure out where you want to go. That if you're going to fight a battle, figure out what you got to work with. If you're going to fight a battle, you got to figure out what you got to work with and what the the opponent has to work with. In this case, our opponent our opponent is usually ourselves cuz goals, we're in a battle to change, right? And we don't sit down and first say, okay, where am I? And where do I want to go? What have I got to work with? And what am I up against as far as my own tendencies? And I love this part of what Jesus said. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. And here's the deal. I think a lot of us are willing to consider that there are things that we need to give up for the Lord. But here's one thing we're not willing to give up. We have to give up our right to interpret the past, if we are going to be Jesus's disciple, one of the things we must give up is our right to interpret the past. I put right in quotes because it was never our right, but we think it is. We think it's our right to interpret the past, which is how we get stuck in regret. And those patterns of looking backwards is because we're constantly interpreting the past. Give it up in order to be Jesus's disciple. Because he says, follow me. And guess what? He's moving forward. He's not moving backward. If, if Jesus says, follow me, he's going forward. You got to go with him if you want to be his disciple. But here, if you're asking me, what do you mean interpret my path? What do you mean? I mean, calling it good or bad. Like this event was bad. This event was good. This person was bad. This location was bad. This location was good. This person was good. We're constantly saying bad, good, bad, good. We're human beings. We don't have a right to interpret anything because we don't have the capability to interpret anything. Only our Heavenly Father does. He's the supreme being. He's the only one who can interpret any situation as good or bad because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Let me show you exactly what I mean. This is a prickly verse. It's prickly. Don't act like it isn't. In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. His family, Joseph's family, was horrible to him. They threw him in a pit and let him be kidnapped. Where he also was, you know, estranged for years from anyone he loved. Taken to a totally unknown place to him. All of that was wrong, straight up wrong. And Joseph did not regret. He didn't spend a minute regretting. And after 17 years, which is how long it was, 17 years, don't you think he could have spent some time in regret, especially because part of that time he was in a prison cell. So he could have had a lot of time on his hands to say, I'm so mad. At the, I'm so mad about what happened in the past. I probably would have gotten the inheritance. I probably would have gotten my father's um, land and, and ranch and, and farm or whatever. I would have gotten all this wealth, and and he looked. He could have looked back and regretted, and been upset. And he, they shouldn't have done me wrong. They shouldn't. Have, my brother shouldn't have done me wrong. And I haven't even talked to anyone I love in so long. He could have regretted, 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 regretted. But Joseph didn't. Even in a prison cell, he said, what can I do right now? And I I might not have regretted in a prison cell, but I also might not have thought I would have focused on the future so much. Like when I get out of here, it's going to be different. When I'm free, it's going to be different. So there's a difference between being past focused so much that it harms us or future focused so much that it harms us. Because Joseph could have said, everything that's good to me is going to happen in the future, but he didn't he started saying, what can I do right now in the presence, in the present, in the prison cell? And he made, he took on role, the role of a leader and the prison warden and, and everyone trusted him as a leader in his prison. That is a victor mentality because he knew deep down, he knew you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. So Romans 8, 28 says the same thing. If if you're thinking, well, that was just the Old Testament, let me bring in the New. Paul said, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So everything means everything. It's not like God causes some things to work together for the good. God causes the less painful things to work work together for the good. God causes, no, God causes your sin to work together for your good. God causes your mistakes to work together for your good. I'm not talking about current sin, but I'm talking about past sin. Current sin, leave it, leave it. But past sin, no no need regretting that because God's going to use it to work together for your good. He's forgiven you. Now it's been redeemed. That sin's workable in God's plan now because you've been forgiven. So mistakes, past harm that others have done to you, past curses that others have spoken over you, God can flip everything, all of it, to work together for your good. He loves you that much and he's that powerful. So then that's what I mean by you give up your right to interpret your past. Once you surrender yourself, to the gospel, and you say, the gospel now has command over my life. Well, the gospel is resurrection from the dead. That's what the gospel is. So if you invite the gospel, and that means every dead thing in your life can be used for your life, and there's no point in looking back and say, well, that was a mistake, or that was painful, or whatever. There's no point, because God says, hey, baby, Give it to me and I will change every single bit of it to work for your good because you love me and you trust me to do that for you. So what I do is I tell myself this simple phrase, what was meant to happen did. It would be easy for me to look back on several things that really, really hurt me in my past. Things that people did in my life. And things that no person did. I just got sick or had a stroke. But, but even up with the things that people intentionally were very hurtful to me. All of it. Because I let the gospel infiltrate it. All of it has been used to make me who I am today. I would not be the person who is sitting here giving you a lesson in God's love and guidance. I would not be this person if I had not experienced the things I've experienced. No decision you made in the past has the power to corrupt your future. Everything you did, even if you look back and say, I wish I hadn't, even those things you can say, I'm not going to interpret it that way anymore. I'm not going to say I wish I hadn't. Because God has brought me today through those steps. Every single step that I took was a step that brought me to right now. So do I look back on those things that hurt me in the past? I, I When I do, because it's a, a human tendency to do that. When I do, I say, hey, you know what was meant to happen did. And th- I know there are some of you who have been through some very painful things. You may say, this is where I check out, Nika. Don't you tell me what was meant to happen did, because what happened to me should not happen to anyone. All I know is this. The God who loves you more than anyone and ever will. The God who created you with his own hands, the God who breathed life into your nostrils, who passionately cares for you, who has carried you from your birth and will carry you until you're old and gray, that God, the God who died for you, who bled, who took blows on his back for you, that God could have stopped what happened. And in his wisdom, he chose not to. He allowed it. I'm not saying that the act in itself was good. I'm saying you can trust the Father who is good. You can trust the one who loves you and say, I'm not looking back anymore. It's not getting me anywhere. What was meant to happen did because God knows what's good for me and he allowed it. So here I am today because of God's grace. So it's time to take a personal inventory. If you stop looking back, Long enough to concentrate on the present, you'll have time to take this personal inventory. I believe in what I call the five cities. One of the times in my life that I was most upset about my life, everything seemed chaotic to me. I was on my face praying and I said, Lord, help me figure this out because everything's a mess. Like everything. And I don't even know whose fault it is. And God whispered into my heart. I made you the leader of five cities and you're not leading a single one of them. And I was like, city? Oh, yeah, well, give me a city because it would be the best city. Everybody would be on vacay in my city. They would all come to me and they would. I, I would lay out the city um, dynamics to be like really fun and lovely and beautiful. We'd have waterfront views. We'd have, I'd fix it all up, Lord. Give me a city. And he was like... Your cities are home, health, finance, relationship, and skill. You are the leader of those cities. You decide what comes in and what goes out. You get to design it all you want, but you have abdicated the authority that I gave you there. No one gets to tell you how to run your home, your health, your finance, your relationship, or your skill, But you are the one who is invited by me to manage it, and you're just flat not. So here's what we're going to do right now. We'll use, take a screenshot of this. How about take a screenshot, take a snapshot with your phone, or you can go back and watch this replay. Or real quick, just write down these five words, because we're not going to take time for you to really think about this. But there's only five. So this could quickly be a a personal inventory that could be meaningful to you. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate each of these areas of your life? 1 being needs a lot of work. 10 being I'm really satisfied. I'm content with it. I'm happy with it. So your home, on a scale of 1 to 10, Ask yourself these questions. Am I being hospitable? Am I inviting people over? Is it organized? Does everything have a place? Do I feel comfortable here? Is there a sense of peace? Are things broken? Do I feel icky when I walk in the door? Do I even like being here? Do I try to stay away? Am I am I feeling like work is a welcome, a welcome distraction? Or do I have a place to, to worship God here? Do I have a place to relax and read? Do, you ask yourself those questions on a scale of 1 to 10. Your health. Do your clothes fit comfortably? Do you feel like you can pick out anything in your closet, just comfortably put it on and go for the day? Or do you worry about that? Are you concerned about breathlessness? Are you concerned about um, headaches? Are you sleeping well at night? Do you get out, and get out and enjoy the day and the sunlight? Those are the kinds of questions of health. Do you have time that you take to rest? And do you have time that you take to have fun and recreate? Recreate. Because recreation recreates us week after week. So finance. Do you have margin in your finances? Or do you find yourself in the hole at the end of every month? Are you racking up debt or racking up savings? Are you creating things for yourself that will pay off for you in the future? Are Are you making investments in yourself because you're the most valuable thing that God gave you? In your relationships, do you have people to hang out with? Right now, that's more difficult. But even online, do you have people to hang out with? Is your relationship with your significant other, one that is life-giving, do you feel like you're be vulnerable with that person? Are you providing opportunities for them to be vulnerable with you in a safe place? Do you honor the people who are closest to you? Does your family um, find ways to interact with one another that um, really makes you all feel refreshed? Are you holding grudges against anyone that you should really bury and put away? And your skill, is your career what you want it to be? Are you hanging on to to a job that you don't want anymore? Do you feel like it's too late? Do you feel like it's, that you're not ready, that you're not equipped? Do you feel like there's a skill or a talent or a hobby that you've always wanted to work on? Do you want to learn something new? Do you want to get involved with people who know how to do something and can teach you? Skill can be your career or your hobbies. I'm not asking you to do this right now, but those are important questions. Take a personal inventory. Instead of just randomly making about 15 major goals at the beginning of the year that may or may not have to do with anything, focus on five. Focus on the five key areas because seriously, you get these five in order and the whole, your whole life is going to feel better. If you can get as close to 10 as possible, which is contentment and satisfaction and just feeling like this is pretty good with your home, your health, your finance, your relationship and your skill, that right there, I suggest being the places where you make five goals for yourself. Not 14 million goals. The human mind is fantastic, but it can't spin that many plates. Five goals, one in each of these categories. So realize, too, that you're living someone else's dream right now. You might say, my life is not really anybody's dream. Yes, it is. I don't know whose it is, but somebody is like, I wish I could do what she's doing. I wish I had what he has. I wish I lived where they live. You are living someone else's dream right now. It may not be your dream, but it's someone else's. And that helps you to say, wait a second. Wait a second. Am I valuing what God has given me? Because somebody else would be really happy with it. I'm not happy with it. Maybe I need to stop and say, look. If I'm not happy with it, maybe that's the Holy Spirit prompting me to take action and make a few changes. That's the importance of a personal inventory. It's not to um, ignite discontentment. It's to help you find greater contentment in what God has given you. So Proverbs 4.23 is important to me in the process of making goals. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Our hearts is what's most vulnerable when we make a goal. Because all of a sudden we think, okay, I'm not happy with anything. And because I'm not happy with anything, I'm actually not happy with myself and the way I generally handle things. And then you get back into that beating self up that we had to get rid of in step one. So you guard your heart. If you're going to take a personal inventory, guard your heart first and say, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up and I'm not going to regret. If I take a personal inventory, it's going to be future focused, not past focused. So what I'm saying is guard your heart before you do this personal inventory. Do you see how, how it could go all wrong? Because if you are beating yourself up, if you haven't worked out the kinks with that, I'm I'm not beating myself up anymore. I have my own back, no matter what. And if you've stopped regretting, then you can take the personal inventory. Because no matter, even if you come up with a two on your home or a one on your finances or a three on your health, whatever it is, you'll be like, but I have my own back no matter what. I'm not beating myself up and I'm not regretting. It's all moving forward. If you don't do that, then what you're going to do is go, huh, I'm in a three and a two and a one and a one and two. I can't even handle this. I regret everything. I can't stand. Why did I ever move in this home? How did I ever get this sick? How did I, why did I get in this financial hole? Why, why? And you look at the past. I'm not mocking you. (laughs) I'm mocking myself. I've done that. I've taken personal inventories that only had me turn my face. How did I get here? It's because of everything that I did wrong, that's why. Look, (laughs)
1: we're not doing that.
0: We had to stop beating ourselves up and promise not to look backwards. Now we can take a personal inventory because it's all about moving forward. We're not even looking. Who cares how we got here? What was meant to happen did. You were meant to waste that money because then you learned about money. You were meant to do all those things because then you learned, okay? So what was meant to happen did. That's just a more effective thing to think. So realize again, God is moving Forward. That's his direction. Okay, God doesn't ever move backwards. He's got really one direction. It's forward. Jesus says, follow me. He's up ahead of you. So if we are going to follow him and be his disciples, we're going that way. Not that way. Okay, I cannot wait till next week. We're going to dive into step three. My favorite. How to be still and listen to the Lord. People ask me all the time, how do I hear God for myself? I want to hear God. I want to know his voice. What is he saying to me? I don't know the next steps. Show up for next week for step three in the reliable goal setting process, how to be still and listen to the Lord. Now, one of the questions as we are get still and listen to the Lord, one of the questions it may be time to ask him when you get still and listen to him is, Lord, Do you want me to invest in myself so these numbers change? Because I don't know, maybe you've been making goals that should have moved the needle on those numbers, meaning, oh, well, your one to 10 numbers for home health, finance, relationship and skill. Perhaps you've been trying to move those numbers in the past. You've been discontent for a long time. You're ready to make some changes. My question is, is 2021 the year that you get some help to do it? Because I'm here for you. I love helping people move forward in their goals. Friday, January 8th, 2021, I'm hosting the Keep Going Workshop. It's a goal-setting workshop patterned after the way that I make goals. Do you know that I've been doing this for 26 years? My mother started this. She didn't call it the Keep Going Workshop. She called it Glory Day. But she asked us as a family to come together once a year and have a one-day To focus on the things we want to change in our lives and to set goals. She called it glory day. And when we started, I was just a teenager and my brother was just a teenager. And she dragged us to the embassy suites, kicking and screaming, saying, we don't want to do this. We don't want to set aside a day to make goals as a community. And she was like, well, you're doing it because your future self will thank you for it. So you're doing it. Well, so I'm telling you, I've learned so much through my mother's example of hosting Glory Day that I knew I'm doing this for other people and I'm calling it the Keep Going Workshop. And so I'm doing what my family has always done for 26 years. It has proven results. The reason I am who I am today is because I followed these steps and I'm inviting you to join me this year. One day only, no recording, no replay, January 8th. You're going to have to. Make arrangements now for that Friday. There's two ways to get involved, virtual or in person. Let me show you pictures from last year's before I announce the speakers for this year. Let me show you pictures. This was one of my favorite pictures from last year because this encapsulates the experience of the Keep Going Workshop. The Keep Going Workshop is like a hug for your heart. (laughs) If your heart is feeling beat up, come, come get a hug for your heart. Because whether you're virtual and you can't hug with us in person, or if you're there in person and you can't hug, listen, this is a hug for your heart. This is a way for your heart to feel like, oh, "Whoo, I can breathe. Remember I said, care for your heart above all else. Everything in your life flows from it. So the Keep Going Workshop is a small boutique event. I call it a boutique event because I think massive conferences, I'm over it. I'm over massive conferences. Are you? There's 50 to 60 people. Here we are. This was last year. 50 to 60 people at the Keep Going workshop. That's about the size that I think is most effective because I can look everyone in the eye. I can have a conversation with everybody. I can make sure everyone is getting the most out of their experience. Do you see me sitting by the window, sitting in the back? I was monitoring and making sure everyone was getting the most out of their experience, any more than about 50 or 60, and then I I lose it. I can't keep up with everybody, and it becomes impersonal. That's not what the Keep Going Workshop is about. It's about being very personal and helping everyone reach their goals. I believe that the key elements to the Keep Going Workshop that make it fantastic are the small boutique size, great food, pictured here, (laughs) great teaching, I pray over and select excellent teachers for us. Great conversations. We're all heading in the same direction, all committed to moving forward. Great opportunities to pray over our lives individually and for each other. Without involving God, there's no power in it. But with God, all things are possible. And a goal-setting workbook that you can take with you. This was last year's goal-setting workbook where people could write the things that they're learning in that one day that they've set aside. God says to set aside a portion for Him and put Him first. This is like dedicating your year to God by going to the Keep Going workshop. It's like dedicating your year to Him by setting aside, setting aside a day and just focusing on, Lord, what do you want me to do with this precious life you've given me? Write it down. Write down what he says. Encourage yourself and you write down your goals. Those are the keys to the power of this one day that we spend. So you ready to find out who's speaking? First of all, David Mwanga is leading worship. He led worship for us last year. Absolutely. One of the sweetest voices I've ever heard. If you want to come and be uplifted, please, please, please get ready to sing your heart out because David will lead us in a beautiful invitation of the Holy Spirit to lead us in our thoughts and our actions for the day. And then we have Stephanie Honey Holden. Stephanie Holden is from Mississippi. She's a pastor's wife. She has the cutest, colorful, vintage style in her home. And she believes and grace over everything. Her her um, quip over and over again is grace upon grace, grace upon grace. I just fell in love with Honey Holden over the internet. I was like, this woman is my people. I just want to hang out in her house. And I realized uh, if I could invite anyone to come speak to us about our homes, it would be her. Because the way she cultivates, she has people in her home constantly. You can just see it, the evidence of her inviting other it, others in, making her home comfortable for her and for her family. You will want to listen to what she says about your home. It will totally inspire you. Secondly, Jessica Hoddle. Jessica is from Pennsylvania, and she is a, a fitness instructor, fitness coach, And Faith Coach, she has married the two together in this beautiful harmony. Because, you know, getting fit (laughs) without partnering in faith in the process is futile. So many of us try to change our bodies and we don't access what God has given us to do so. Jessica is going to walk us through best practices for improving our health. And all of it grounded in the truth of scripture. None of it will be hollow or superficial. She is the real deal, people. You will love hearing from her. Next we have yours truly, because I love teaching people about how to steward their finances. Y'all, I have some stories to tell this year that you're gonna be like, what? (laughs) What? I have some awesome stories about money. Stories where I have failed miserably. And stories where I have won to the glory of God. And I can share with you what I've learned about managing money and stewarding it. Because I think in our Christian walk, a lot of people are just saying money is bad or wrong. And we lose our focus that money is kingdom. You can advance the kingdom with some money. Learn how to use it well. You learn how to make it grow. Make it grow so that you can be effective on God's behalf, meeting more people's needs. Sign me up. Come hear me speak about finances at the Keep Going Workshop. And then Colleen Blake Miller, she is in Canada, and she is a licensed psychotherapist, amazing woman of God who believes that your mental health is undergirded by the Holy Spirit's power and by the Word of God. She can help us create healthier ways of communicating with one another and growing our community. She truly believes there's no reason for anyone to be alone. Why are we so alone? Why Why do we all feel... Most people feel like, I don't really have any friends. She can show us how to grow our communities, to cultivate our communities, to feel better about our people that are in our lives. Connect, truly connect. Come watch your relationships grow with Colleen Blake Miller. And one I'm most excited about really, Shay Bides. You guys, Shay is from Florida and she she considers herself the chief fire igniter for Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur. That's her business and ministry. She teaches entrepreneurs how to partner with the Holy Spirit to find out how to run their businesses. So you're going to be blown away by her process for interacting. She doesn't even wonder how to run her business. She talks to God about it and he tells her what to do and she does it. She lives in obedience. She lives in an excited, um, way of maneuvering through the world, and y'all, she is a fire igniter. So whether you are an entrepreneur and want to start a business, whether you're um, wanting to ignite your hobbies, ignite your talents, if you want to be um, someone who leads in your church or in your ministry or at your kid's school, whatever way that you're a leader, to me, skill is all about leadership. And Shea Bynes is going to take us all to the next level in 2021. So Friday, January 8th is the day. You can join us in Dallas. Come in person. We only have 50 seats available. I'm keeping it boutique. I'm keeping it small because that's the way I like it. So we have 50 seats available or if we have these amazing boxes with, for five participants everything for five participants and we're going to send them out in these beautiful beautiful boxes filled with gifts and interactive activities and your workbook for the day. So you to, to participate virtually is not just about like pressing play. It's about truly feeling like you're there. It's live. You're watching the whole thing. You're engaging with us from a screen. But every time I pass something out to our in-person audience, you go to your box and you get the same thing out for you and your guests because these hostess kits are like having a little tiny keep going workshop in your home. It's for you and for others. And here's the deal. If you're like, um, I don't even have four friends. <laughs> I want a box, but I don't have four friends. Um, you know what? I bet you have two friends and you can go I guarantee you invite two others, random people that you've been meaning to be friends with, somebody that you're like, I would love to be friends with her. But I mean, we're not really, we don't have chances to interact. Get bold, get brave, go up to that person and say, hey, I'm hosting a little workshop for five people in my my house and we have an open spot. You want to join us for the day? We're all setting goals and we're going to hold each other accountable to them. And I think we're all going to learn a lot. I don't know what to, what it's going to be like, but it's interactive because we have all the, the gifts and the supplies in this one box. We're just going to participate like we're there. It's going to be wonderful. You invite people with a heart that's open like that, and you might make new friends. On that day, you might make new friends because as you experience this together, you're going to grow. Growing is what knits people together. So... Go to NikaMaples.com and click on events to find out more. Go to NikaMaples.com, click on events, and that will take you where you can read more about how the Keep Going Workshop is going to operate. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. It's the best antidote to 2020. Seriously. Let's do this and move forward so that we don't look back at 2020 ever again, except to say, thank you, Lord, for turning all things together for our good.